Hello, everyone, and welcome to Keith Crosby Out of My Mind. This is Podcast 010, Podcast 10, where we have a biblical conversation about the crazy world in which we live. Now, we look to God's Word because the Bible has something to say about every inch of thread that makes up the fabric of our being. God's Word helps us to make sense of our existence in this fallen, crazy, and often heartbreaking world in which we live. His counsel enables us not merely to survive, but to thrive in this post-Christian world, often this post-Christian Christ-hostile context. So join us over the next 20 to 25 minutes as we provide you a bird's-eye view perspective of some complex issue confronting our culture, confronting the church, and confronting you by applying God's Word to it all. Now, at the end of the podcast, we'll point you to additional resources for further study, just in case you'd like to dig a little bit deeper. In the meantime, let's get started. Today, I'm back in studio with Mark Stickler. He's with us once again. My name is Keith Crosby. I'm the lead pastor of Hillside Church in San Jose, and Mark is one of the colleagues that serves alongside me here at Hillside. Now, we are in episode three of our second season, and we're calling this The Coming Persecution. Thus far, we've tried to alert ourselves of the importance of being in a good church these days because we are going to need to be in a healthy spiritual environment with capable shepherds given the troubling days that lie ahead. So we advised you, if your church is not such a place, leave that church and find a good one wherever you are. And then last week, we discussed the troubling phenomena of grooming as we considered how it seems that we are being groomed or manipulated or conditioned to accept the unacceptable, to accept the gradual deprivation of our God-given freedoms, freedom to associate, to worship, to congregate, to make our own decisions about our lives and matters of conscience in the name of public health, anti-racism, or some vague social contract. Today, there's almost a religious fervor in the surrounding culture about right thought or acceptable thought. We're being told where we can and cannot go, how we can congregate, when to congregate, how to worship, and as we talked about last week, even how to eat. We likened it to George Orwell's classic work, 1984. I read this quote for you. Everything other than working was forbidden, walking in the streets, having fun, singing, dancing, getting together, Everything was forbidden. This is the world in which we live due to the perfect storm of COVID-19, of critical theory, of social upheaval, of rioting. And even as we flatten the curve and cases have gone down, and we've seen that the dangers of the COVID-19 were inadvertently, I believe, initially overstated, we have not seen a reduction or a decline in restrictions, but a subtle increase and even now, as we are under the shelter-in-place order that was not legislated but decreed by executive orders from governors and mayors and local health officers, we're seeing the continuation of the tightening of restrictions on our First Amendment freedoms, including the right to assemble and to worship. And so with all this in mind, we compared this to the proverbial frog in the kettle. You know the story where you put a frog in a kettle of water and you slowly, gradually, incrementally turn up the heat until he's cooked alive. 
In some sense, it feels like that's what's happening to us. So for context and clarity, I reviewed the stages of grooming practiced by con men, pedophiles, and elder abusers, and compared them to our own experiences where we seem to be undergoing a similar manipulation or grooming process, including a process of intimidation. We discussed how we've seen pejorative language used to describe and dehumanize dissenters. People have been mask-shamed for not wearing masks. We've heard people call refusers as if they were vermin for resisting the idea of universal compulsory and mandatory vaccination. We've seen the division caused or propagated by the mask. Those who don't wear masks are being treated as if they're biological threats or uncaring. We've discussed the penalties that people have suggested for vaccination refusers. There's a demonization. There's this false binary, you're either all in or all out, like with the critical theory fanatics. There's no nuance, and they all ignore what some would call the excluded middle ground. You're either a refuser or a complier. Yeah. One of the things I think about and I'm trying to consider uh, as we talk about religion and, and kind of where all that all fits in here. And we've we've talked about Senator Kamala Harris uh, says, you know, I'm not against religion. I don't have anything against the practice of religion. And you pointed something out to me, um, you know, her, her against is not necessarily just, yeah, sure, she's fine if you want to have, if you want to be Christian, but don't tell anybody you're Christian. And so I look at that. I look at the way that we just kind of see politics and the culture going. And then I listened to the podcast like last week. And I'm like, man, there's a lot of things going on in the world has definitely changed. And I don't think it's changed overnight. I think this has been a, a long process, which I think is where the grooming has kind of come in. Um, but I also want to ask, where does this fit in with the coming persecution of the church? Obviously, this stuff does not look good on the surface. Um, but I'm wondering if you can kind of expound more on you know, how this fits into this coming persecution, this persecution that we see coming down the line. Yeah, well, let's talk about Kamala or Kamala Harris. You're right. You know, she claimed to be a person of faith in one of the debates, I think, with the vice president. But she is one of those people who is for something called freedom to worship, but she's not for freedom of religion. In other words, you or I are free to keep our thoughts to ourselves and go to a house of worship cloistered from the public square and believe what we want to believe as long as we don't share it too much with the outside world. That sounds very Chinese. Um, it, well, me. it is. You know, in China, even in Russia today, you're not allowed to evangelize anybody outside the walls of your church, and you're not allowed to evangelize anybody under 18. It's a criminal offense. And this is what's happening. We're sort of criminalizing dissent. I think we'll see the criminalization of religious thought. And this is the whole critical theory thing. Christians are part of an oppressor group. The Santa Barbara school system talked about that Christianity is a religion that oppresses people of color, women, uh, different genders, and other religions. And this is where it is so arbitrary, and this is where it is so unpredictable because you don't know where all this is going next. When you start thinking of all this stuff, you sometimes wonder, or actually you understand why we call this the Out of My Mind podcast, because you, you start to think, am I crazy? But when you start looking at all these things coalesce and come together, you can see that we are being groomed in some sense to, to submit to sort of an unconditional submission 
to whatever the party line is. We're told that we can't worship together, and yet rioters and protesters were permitted to loot and to burn, chanting without masks, but we can't sing. And, and we're told that by health experts that this is acceptable because white supremacy is a lethal health threat. You see, what's happening is everything is a health threat. And you're going to see this change and morph where we discussed how human beings are being dehumanized to look like, in the eyes of the culture, uh, biological threats. And if Christianity is an oppressor group, it becomes a health threat. Racism is a health threat. Homophobia is a health threat. But the Christian worldview opposes the homosexual lifestyle. Does that make Christianity a health threat? That's what the Santa Barbara public school system teaches. And part of our persecution is going to come from such labeling. You know, the criminalizing of thought. You can have a religion, you just can't share it. And so Christians are going to be labeled. They're going to be quarantined. Kids are already being vaccinated against Christianity in the school system to create what you alluded to a moment ago, some sort of cultural herd immunity. This has been going on for a long time. And the goal is, is to eliminate the virus that the Christian worldview is perceived as. I know it sounds extreme. Yeah, I mean, I think you, you hit the nail on the head. I think this podcast being called Keith Crosby Out of My Mind is probably an appropriate title because some of the stuff just sounds wild and very dystopian, very conspiracy theory-esque. And so would you say that there's some organized conspiracy or do you think this is what the end times is going to look like? I'm, I'm glad you asked that question because I, there is no, I, I don't believe there is a worldwide monolithic conspiracy. But what I do believe has happened is is that a worldview, a godless worldview, an amoral worldview, which throws off the strictures of morality in different countries, whether it's the communist countries like Nazi Germany, National Socialism, that's all the same thing. Socialism in Soviet Russia, China, Korea, even in some parts of Europe today where they have, where there are capitalist economies, but with socialist welfare systems, if you want to call it that. It's not that they are all ganging up on us at the same time. It's not that, you know, we hear about democratic socialists, which I believe is an oxymoron. It's not that they're all conspiring to come get us. It's that since their worldviews align, and since the Western Judeo-Christian worldview is antithetical to what they believe, it becomes a target. And when you have, in our country, control of the educational system from primary school, secondary school, middle school, high school, university, and you've had a couple of generations to indoctrinate the children, the children grow into adults and they are trained to be hostile to the Christian worldview. And that hostility now is manifesting itself in the culture in sort of a cultural Marxist uh, groupthink, which is bringing and going to bring greater heat upon the Christian church. And what does the Bible say about that? I mean, this is the thing. The church acts like this is, oh, where did all this come from? But, you know, Jesus in Luke 12, 51 to 56, he talks about this. He says, do you think I've come to give peace on earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. In one house, there will be five divided, three against two, two against three. There will be divided father against son and son against father and mother against daughter and daughter against mother and mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. He goes on to say, when you see a cloud rising in the west, you say at once, a shower is coming. And so it happens. And when you see the south wind blowing, you say... 
There will be scorching heat, and it happens. You know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and sky. Why do you not know how to interpret the present time? We are living in the type of times that he's described here. We are living in a perfect storm of a time where there are emergent and competing worldviews that cannot coexist. Critical theory, cultural Marxism, a herd mentality, or absolutist religions that do not allow other religions to coexist. They're antithetical to Christianity. Christianity is antithetical to them, and they are on the ascendancy. Uh, they are, have gained a majority, and people are being confronted by a cultural shibboleth, a watchword that you must say, a password that makes you okay, whether it's Black Lives Matter or masks and vaccines for everyone, and there is no dissent or religious tolerance allowed. Again, I, I just want to bring us back to that USA Today magazine editorial article that I discussed in the last podcast. It says, defeat COVID-19 by requiring vaccination for all. It's not un-American, it's patriotic. Make vaccines free, don't allow religious or personal objection, and create disincentives for those who refuse vaccines. To win the war against the novel coronavirus, the only answer, the only answer is compulsory vaccination for all of us. And while the measures that will be necessary to defeat the coronavirus will be, will seem draconian, even un-American to some, we believe, whoever we is, these are doctors, uh, a group of doctors, they don't represent the entire medical profession, we believe there is no alternative. Vaccine losers could lose tax credits or be denied non-essential government benefits. Public and commercial transit companies, airlines and trains and buses could exclude refusers. There's that pejorative dehumanizing language we talked about last time. Public and private auditoriums could require evidence of immunization for entry. We believe there is no alternative. What you have here is the imposition of a totalitarian mindset and dogma. And I'm sorry to say, that it's more and more the norm and less and less the fringe. And that's one example, Mark. It's, this isn't an isolated mindset. Yeah. As I've looked at all of this and kind of seen what's coming and, and what has been going on, I think this article is that unmasking, if you will, mm -hmm. of really those ideologies that back up all of these things. You know, at the end of the day, the desire is for everything to fall in line, to, for everybody to fall into these places. I was thinking about all the freedoms that are kind of being taken sure. away. And, you know, I think we talked about the churches mm -hmm. uh, that are that are just willingly giving up these freedoms to worship and to do these things. And there was a statement that somebody had said to me, or maybe I saw it on uh, social media or something, but it was, um, we have stopped thinking that government exists to protect our rights and started asking the government for our rights. Right. And I think that, you know, when you look at this article and you say, man, that is, that is the antithesis of us asking for our rights as opposed to saying, no, like I have a right as a, as a person in the United States to say, I don't want to take that vaccine. I don't want to, you know, go to this theater. I don't, I don't want to do these things. But now when you read this and you look at it and you look at what's coming, it's going to be set up that, okay, well, you're a, you're a refuser. Yeah. I, I look at this and I just think, man, we are willingly handing over our rights. We're forgetting that it's not, you know, that the government exists to protect the rights of people, but we're starting to just look at government and say, you're supposed to fix everything. You're supposed to be the everything. And so can I do this? Is it safe to do that? I don't know. Well, here's the difference. In this country, 
All of our founding documents speak to God-given rights endowed by the Creator to be protected by the government. The mindset now is we use the term civil rights uncritically. Rights granted, privileges granted by the government, and what the government gives, the government can take away. And, and that's the problem, is it sets you up for a, it grooms you, it habituates you, it conditions you to be dependent to the government. The government can isolate you, minimalize you, marginalize you, and that's what's going on here. And, you know, here's the thing. You look at the USA Today article and you think, okay, well, those are just a bunch of fanatical doctors. And, and the truth is, many doctors don't think this way. And we'll have some links, and we put some links in last week, to healthcare epidemiologists around the world who do not believe that the sheltering in place is a great idea or that this, this situation is nearly as grave as it's been meant out to be. And these are mainstream doctors, too. But I want to play a clip for you. Keith Oberman, he has worked for a, a number of networks as a newscaster, as a commentator even as a sports uh, uh, commentator. And I want you to listen to his language in this podcast and in, in his in this uh, tirade he had recently. And, I, and here's the thing, too. I want to separate the politics from it, Democrat and Republican, left and right, for just a moment. Many people do not like the president's personality. I get that. But I want you to listen to what Olbermann says. And I want you to listen to what he wants to do with anybody who supports the president. Let's play that clip now. He is triggered. So let us brace ourselves. The task is twofold. The terrorist Trump must be defeated, must be destroyed, must be devoured at the ballot box. And then he and his enablers and his supporters and his collaborators and the Mike Lees and the William Barrs and the Sean Hannity's and the Mike Pence's and the Rudy Giuliani's and the Kyle Rittenhouse's and the Amy Coney Barrett's must be prosecuted and convicted and removed from our society while we try to rebuild it. He sounds more like Kim Jong-un in North Korea or Brezhnev in the old Soviet Union or Stalin. You know, these people must be imprisoned. He talks about them like they're animals, but these aren't people who are blowing up buildings. And at least one of these people is a Supreme Court justice nominee who the American Bar Association says is an excellent candidate and well-qualified, but he wants the supporters prosecuted. He talks about expunging. I mean, this is so over the top. But I would submit to you that what Keith Oberman is saying here is what many other people in our culture are thinking privately. He's only saying out loud what many believe. And again, he's not talking about people who blow up buildings or traffic in, in children or, or serial killers and murderers. He's talking about people who just differ with him. And I think this is in, indicative of how many in the culture think. They see themselves as virtuous, doing society a favor, ridding the world, as the Germans would have said in Nazi Germany, of vermin, parasites, and viruses. But what has this got to do with you and me as members of the Christian church? Everything. Because Jesus said in John 16, I have said all these things to you so to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. You see this religious fervor in USA Today or Keith Olbermann, they think, they honestly believe they're doing good. They're like an unconverted Apostle Paul. 
which is where the hope lies. Because while these people are committed to their worldview, so are we. And this is something that we cannot lose sight of when persecution comes. We have been warned by Christ himself to keep us from falling away, to serve God in the hard times. We were saved to serve God in times of persecution, in good times and in bad times. And look again at John 16, 1. I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. You and I, Christian, are not to panic. Mark and I are not to lose hope. The church knows how what the book says. We know what's in store in the coming persecution. Why are we acting surprised? And so through our witness, worship, and obedience to our call, we are to bear witness, to testify, to evangelize in the difficult days ahead. And by his grace, and in any and all situations, we strive to see our persecutors reconciled to God. We have been given the ministry, it says in 2 Corinthians 5, of reconciliation. You are to understand the times through the lens of Scripture. And that's why you have to be in a solid church right now with good shepherds to guide and to grow you. That's why we have to resist the grooming and become aware of the compromises that we're in danger of making. Because we are coming into a season of persecution and upheaval. It will be, like Charles Dickens said, the best of times and the worst of times. The worst in the fact that many will turn on us and turn against us, and the best of times that by God's grace, more than a few will turn to us for answers in this difficult, difficult time. So let's be ready to give an answer for the hope that lies within us with meekness, gentleness, and respect. Let's be ready to fulfill the Great Commission. Well, you know, that's, we're out of time for today. Next week, we'll talk more about the coming persecution in the workplace and in social media in the, in the weeks ahead. In the meantime, stay tuned. And if you'd like further resources, uh, visit us online at www.gracetoliveradio.org and click the podcast resource button. If you'd like to ask me a question, I'd love to hear from you. I try to answer emails within 24 hours. Learn more about Hillside Church at www.hillside.org forward slash services if you'd like to watch our service online or join us for indoor or outdoor worship on Sundays. Indoor worship at 9 a.m., outdoor worship at 1045 a.m., and indoors again at 630 p.m. Before you go, if you're listening to us on a podcast platform like Spotify or Apple Podcast or Google Podcast, give us a five-star rating, make good comments, help us move up in the charts, so to speak, so that we can have a wider reach. Share this podcast on Facebook. Talk about it with your friends. These are incredible times, and all of us have a role to play in fulfilling the Great Commission. And this podcast is just one small piece of God's redemptive real estate, we think. We need your help. Remember, we release this podcast on Wednesdays, so we hope you'll join us next time. In the meantime, this is Keith Crosby and Mark Stickler, out of my mind or out of our minds. God bless you and keep you.